colleagues. This is Matteo Lambertini from the University of Genova, San Martino Hospital in Genova, Italy. It's a great pleasure today to be discussing briefly what uh, has come up from the ESMO Breast Cancer Conference that uh, took place in Berlin at the uh, beginning of May 2023. So the ESMO Breast Cancer Conference, I think, has been a great uh, a conference on, a, on the educational part. There were many very nice educational sessions that addressed all the possible topics uh, from basic science to translational research up to clinical, uh, to clinical uh, research and clinical data. In terms of uh, original, uh, original data to presented, I will probably focus uh, on first the toxicity and more insights on the toxicity uh, of uh, the new ADCs, and particularly about Trasusana de Ruxtecan, who have had a, a few presentations on some updated data from the DESINI trials in terms of toxicities and patient reported outcomes. So also the perception from the patient side on the toxicity of this treatment. These are, uh, this is a treatment that is uh, highly, highly effective, that is already available in many, many, many countries. But I think we have to pay attention to a few important side effects. Among them, also from the patient side, the nausea and vomit is, uh, is probably the, uh, the uh, most relevant, where we need to pay really high attention. We should consider this regimen Originally, it was considered as an intermediate risk regimen. Probably we are moving more, more towards a high emetogenic risk regimen, meaning that we need to uh, use uh, proper preventive strategies in these regards. Besides the uh, toxicity data from the Destiny trials, I think that we have had also other very uh, uh, nice and important data with new upcoming uh, ADCs that, are, that will be that are currently being developed in the, in the breast field, but probably among the, uh, um, the news that, are, that can be directly applied in clinical practice, I will uh, highlight first the uh, Capitello 291 trial uh, with the use of an AKT inhibitor uh, uh, together with fulvestran in patient with hormone receptor positive HER2 negative disease progressing on, with endocrine resistant disease and half of them in the trial were pro progressing on prior CDK46 inhibitor trial. We had more uh, data in different subgroup of patients presented at the ESMO Breast Cancer Conference, uh, further highlighting the efficacy of this treatment option that probably and hopefully will become our standard, uh, standard uh, second-line treatment option in, uh, in this patient. We know how difficult it is to treat the progression to first-line endocrine therapy plus a CDK46 inhibitor and the poor performance of endocrine therapy single agent. With this association, so far, is probably the most promising that we have seen within a phase three trial. And at the ESMO breast, we had more data in different subgroups all of them ben, uh, uh, deriving clear benefit from this combination. Finally, uh, I will mention the updated result of the Impatient 031 trial, the neoadjuvant trial with the use of atezolizumab on the top of neoadjuvant chemotherapy in triple negative breast cancer patient. The authors presented the survival outcomes from these studies, showing a tendency for better outcomes in the atezolizumab arm. However, the results uh, uh, could not be considered uh, significant from a statistical point of view because this, this was not a, a, a this was mainly descriptive analysis. So, as per trial protocol, the authors could not assess 
the statistical significance of these uh, of these results. And if we look at the 95% confidence interval, the upper limit, despite favoring the hazard ratio favoring the atezolizumab, the upper limit of the 95 confidence interval across the unit. So uh, the results cannot be considered a, a significant one. However, uh, we have to pay attention in comparing these results with the Keynote 522 regime, so the pembrolizumab added in the adjuvant chemotherapy, our current standard of care, because this is a much smaller trial, was not power for event-free survival, which was a prime co-primary endpoint in the um, in the keynote uh, in the keynote 522 trial. And then we have also different chemotherapy regimen. There was no platinum agent here, but the anthracycline part was given with the dose dense regimen as compared to the keynote trial. And probably the most significant difference is that in the keynote 522 trial, patient could not receive a post-neoadjuvant treatment, uh, those patients without a, a pathologic complete response. In the uh, inpatient 0331, this was possible, and a significant proportion of patients receive a post-neoadjuvant treatment with post-neoadjuvant capecitabine, most of the patients or other chemotherapy uh, treatment. And there was an imbalance, so more patients in the uh, no-atezolizumab arm, so in the standard arm, receive a post-neoadjuvant treatment as compared to those patients receiving neoadjuvant atezolizumab. So I think we have more data that indeed the role of neoadjuvant immunotherapy is the most promising way and, uh, to, to implement immunotherapy in early breast cancer, and so far is the only uh, setting which is the standard of care in triple negative breast cancer neoadjuvant setting. Finally, uh, moving to the educational part, I would highlight uh, for personal interest, but also for some important recent news in the field, the session that we had together with Anne Partridge and other experts in the field of breast cancer in young women. And uh, among the different uh, talks in this session, an important one was to highlight the results of the recently published uh, positive trial a study that looked into the, into the safety of a temporary interruption of endocrine therapy for those women uh, with hormone receptor positive disease with a strong desire of pregnancy that do not want to wait five years of adjuvant endocrine therapy to have a pregnancy. This trial was presented in San Antonio and was published in the New England Journal of Medicine a few days before the ESM breast cancer conference. Based on the preliminary results of this study, and I'm saying preliminary because the follow-up remains still a bit short to, to make a strong statement, but with these preliminary results, we can say that this temporary interruption uh, is not detrimental, does not appear to increase the risk of patient recurrence. These data of this phase two, phase two trial were compared to a historical cohort from the Softentex trial, so patient with similar characteristics that did not stop the treatment. And apparently there is no signal that uh, this temporary interruption and the pregnancy will increase the risk of recurrence. However, when we counsel our patient in clinical practice on this, uh, on this regard, I think it's important to highlight that most of the patients, including the positive trial, had a stage one disease, half of them, and the other half basically a stage two disease. So it's a, it's a low risk. Uh, of this is a recurrence patient population. So no, uh, this, these are data that will not apply right now in patients with high risk of this recurrence. We definitely need more data to uh, uh, counsel in a stronger way our patient, but these are, these are definitely reassuring data that we can already apply in our clinic. 
Having said that, I really uh, hope that you will be able to attend the, the next edition, the Asthma Breast Cancer 2024 conference, because this is becoming a very, very important conference from all of us interested in, in the breast cancer field, from the basic science to the translational side, as well as to the clinical side.